Hello everyone and welcome to my podcast. Now we are going to start off with our 15th chapter of Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban which is the book 3 of Harry Potter series. So let's start. The chapter name is The Quidditch Final. He, he sent me this, Hermione said holding out the letter. Harry looked at took it the parchment was damp and enormous teardrops had smashed the ink so badly in places that it was very difficult to read dear hermione we lost i'm allowed to bring him back to hogwarts execution date to be fixed beaky has enjoyed london i won't forget all the help you gave us hagrid they can't do this said harry they can't bugbeak isn't dangerous malfoy's dad frightened the committee into it said hermione whipping her eyes you know what he's like they're a bunch of dodgy old fools and they were scared there'll be an appeal though there always is only i can't see any hope nothing will have changed yeah It will, said Ron fiercely. You won't have to do all the work alone this time, Hermione. I'll help. Oh, Ron. Hermione flung her arms around Ron's neck and broke down completely. Ron, looking quite terrified, patted her very awkwardly on the top of his, of the head. Finally, Hermione drew away. Ron, I'm really, really sorry about Scabbers, she sobbed. Oh, well, he was old, said Ron, looking thoroughly relieved that she had let go of him. And he was a bit useless. You never know, Mum and Dad might get me an owl now. The safety measures imposed on the students since Black's second beacon made it... impossible for harry ron and hermione to go and visit hagrid in the evenings their only chance of talking to him was during care of magical creatures lessons he seemed numb with shock at the verdict so my fault got all tongue-tied they was all sitting there in black robes and i kept dropping my notes and forgetting all the dates he looked up for me hermione and then lucius malfoy stood up and said his bit and the committee just did exactly what he told them there's still the appeal said ron fiercely don't give up yet we are working on it they were walking back to the castle with the rest of class ahead they could see malfoy who was walking with crab and goyle and kept looking back laughing derisively it's no good ron said hagrid sadly as they reached the castle steps the committee's in lucius malfoy's pocket i'm just gonna make sure the rest of beaky's time is the happier he's ever had i owe him that Hagrid turned round and hurried back towards his cabin, his face buried in his handkerchief. Look at him, blubber. Malfoy, Crabbe and Goyle had been sitting just inside the castle doors, listening. Have you ever seen anything quite as pathetic? said Malfoy, and he's supposed to be our teacher. Harry and Ron both made furious moves towards Malfoy, but Hermione got there first. Smack! She had slapped Malfoy around the face with all the strength she could muster. Malfoy staggered. Harry, Ron, Crabbe and Goyle stood flabbergasted as Hermione raised her hand again. Don't you dare call Hagrid pathetic, you fool, you evil, Hermione, said Ron weakly, and he tried to gap her hand 
grab her hand as she swung it back. Get off, Ron. Hermione pulled out her wand. Malfoy stepped backwards. Crab and Goyle looked at him for instructions, thoroughly bewildered. Come on, Malfoy muttered, and next moment all three of them had disappeared into the passageway to the dungeons. Hermione, Ron said again, sounding both stunned and impressed. Harry, you'd better beat him in the Quidditch final, Hermione said shrilly. You just better had, because I can't stand if it if Slytherin win. We're due in chance, said Ron, still goggling at Hermione. We'd better go. They hurried up the marble staircase towards Professor Flitwick's classroom. You're late, boys, said Professor Flitwick reprovingly, as Harry opened the classroom door. Come along quickly. One's out. We're experimenting with cheering charms today. We've already divided into pairs. Harry and Ron hurried to a desk at the back and opened their bags. Ron looked behind him. Where's Hermione gone? Harry looked around too. Hermione had not entered the classroom yet. Harry knew she had been right next to him when she... He had opened the door. That's weird, said Harry, staring at Ron. Maybe maybe she went to the bathroom or got something, but Hermione didn't turn up or listen. She could have done with a cheering charm on her too, said Ron as the class left for lunch, all grinning broadly. The cheering charms had left them with a feeling of a great contentment. Hermione wasn't at lunch either. By the time they had finished their apple pie, the F and the after effects of their cheering charms were wearing off, and Harry and Ron had started to get slightly worried. You don't think Malfoy did something to her? Ron said anxiously as they hurried upstairs towards Gryffindor Tower. They passed the security controls, gave the fat lady the password, Flibber to Gibbet and scrambled through the portrait hole in the common room. Hermione was sitting at a table, fast asleep, her head resting on an open arithmancy book. They went to sit down either side of her. Harry prodded her awake. What? said Hermione, walking with a start and staring wildly around. Is it time to go? Which lesson have we got now? Divination, but it's not for another twenty minutes, said Harry. Hermione, why don't you come to charms? What? Oh no, Hermione squeaked. I forgot to go to charms, but how could you forget? said Harry. You were with us till we were right outside the classroom. I don't believe it, Hermione wailed. Was Professor Flitwick angry? Oh, it was Malfoy. I was thinking about him and I lost track of things. You know what, Hermione, said Ron, looking down at the enormous arithmancy book Hermione had been using as a pillow. I reckon you're cracking up. You're trying to do too much. No, I'm not, said Hermione, brushing her hair out of her eyes and staring hopelessly around for her bag. I just made a mistake. That's all. I'd better go and see Professor Flitwick and say I'm sorry. I'll see you in divination. Hermione joined them at the foot of the ladder to Professor Trelawney's classroom twenty minutes later, looking extremely harassed. I can't believe I missed cheering charms, and I bet they come in a, up in our exam, 
Professor Flitwick hinted they might. Together they climbed the ladder into the dim, stiffing towered room. Glowing on every little table was a crystal ball full of pearly white mist. Harry, Ron and Hermione sat down together at the same rickety table. I thought we weren't starting crystal balls until next term. Ron muttered, casting a very a very eye around Professor Trelawney, in case she was lurking nearby. Don't complain. This means we've finished Pound Mesbury, Harry muttered back. I was getting sick of her flinching every time she looked at my hands. Good day to you, said the familiar misty voice, said Professor, and Professor McGonagall-Trelawney made her usual rheumatic entrance out of the shadows. Parvati and Lavender quivered with excitement, their faces lit by milky glow of their crystal ball. I have decided to introduce a crystal ball a little earlier than I had planned, said Professor Trelawney, seating herself with her back to the fire and gazing around. The fate have informed me that your exam- examination in June will concern the orb, and I'm anxious to give you sufficient practice, Hermione snorted. Well, honestly, the fates have informed her who sets the exam. She does. What an amazing prediction, she said, not troubling to keep her voice low. It was hard to tell whether Professor Trelawney had heard them. As her face was hidden in shadow, she continued, however, as though she had not. Crystal gazing is a particularly refined art, she said dreamily. I do not expect any of you to see when the first of you peer into the orbs in finite depths. We shall start by practicing relaxing the consecration mind and external eyes ron began to snigger uncontrollably and had to stuff his fist in his mouth to stifle the noise so as to clear the inner eye and the sub superconscious perhaps if we are lucky some of you will see before the end of the class and so they began. Harry at least felt extremely foolish, staring blankly at the crystal ball, trying to keep his mind empty when thoughts such as, This is stupid, kept drifting across it. It didn't help that Ron kept breaking into silent giggles, and Hermione kept tutting. Seen anything yet? Harry asked them, after a quarter of an hour's quite crystal gazing. Yeah, there's a burn on this table, said Ron, pointing someone spilled their candle. This is such a waste of time, Hermione hissed. I could be practicing something useful. I could be catching up on my cheering charms. Professor Trelawney rustled past. Would anyone like me to help them into pitch a shadowy pole? fortunes within their orb she murmured over the clinking of her bangles i don't need help ron whispered it's obvious what this means there's going to be loads of folk tonight both harry and hermione burst out laughing now really said trelawney as everyone's head turned into their direction. Parvati and Lavender were looking scandalized. You are disturbing the clairvoyant vibrations. She approached their table and peered into the crystal ball. Harry felt his heart sinking. He was sure he knew what was coming. 
There is something here, Professor Trelawney whispered, lowering her voice, her face to the ball, so that it was reflected twice in her huge glasses. Something moving, but was it it? Harry was prepared to bet everything he owned, including his fireball, that it wasn't good news, whatever it was, and sure enough, my dear Professor Trelawney breathed, gazing up at Harry, it is here, plainer, plainer than ever before, my dear, stalking towards you, growing ever closer, the grip. Oh, for goodness sake, said Hermione loudly, not that ridiculous grim again. Professor Trelawney raised her enormous eyes to Hermione's face. Poverty whispered something to Lavender, and they both glared at Hermione too. Professor Trelawney stood up, surveying Hermione with unmistakable anger. I'm sorry to say that for from the moment you have arrived in the class, my dear, it has been apparent that you don't not have the noble art of divination requires indeed i don't leslie maintain there was a moment's silence then fine said hermione suddenly getting up and cramming and fogging the future back into her bag fine she repeated swinging the bag over her shoulder and almost knocking ron off his chair i give up i'm leaving and to the whole class amazement hermione strode over the trap door kicked it open and climbed down the ladder out of sight it took a few minutes for the class to settle down again professor trelawney seemed to have forgotten all about the grim she turned abruptly from harry to ron's table breathing rather heavily as she tugged her gauzy shawl more closely to her Ooh, said lavender suddenly making everyone start Ooh, Professor Trelawney, I just remembered. You saw her leaving, didn't you? Didn't you, Professor, around Easter? One of your number will leave us forever? You said it ages ago, Professor. Professor Trelawney gave her a dewy smile. Yes, my dear, I did. Indeed, now, indeed, know that Miss Granger would be leaving us. One hopes, however... That one might have mistaken the signs. The inner eye can be a burden, you know. Lavender and Poverty looked deeply impressed and moved over so that Professor Trelawney could join their table instead. Someday Hermione's having a uh, Ron muttered to Harry, looking out. Yeah. Harry glanced into the crystal ball, but saw nothing but the swirling white mist. Had Professor Trelawney really seen the Grim again? Would he? The last thing he needed was another near-fatal accident, with the Quidditch final drawing ever nearer. The Easter holidays were not exactly relaxing. The third years had never had so much homework. Never long bottom seemed to close a nervous collapse, and he was not the only one. Call this a holiday, Seamus Finnegan rode at the com- common room one afternoon. The exams are ages away. What are they playing at? But nobody had as much to do as Hermione, even without divination. She was taking more subjects than anybody else. She was usually last to leave the common room at night, first to arrive at the library next morning. She had shadows like lupins under her eyes and seemed constantly close to tears. 
Ron had taken over responsibility for Buckbeak's appeal when he wasn't doing his own work. He was pouring over in mostly thick volumes with names like the Handbook of Hippogriff, Psychology and Fall, or Fall, a study of Hippogriff brutality. He was so absorbed he even forgot to be horrible to Crookshanks. Harry, meanwhile, had to fit in his homework around Quidditch practice every day, not to mention endless discussions of tactics with Wood. The Gryffindor-Slytherin match would take place on the first Saturday after the Easter holidays. Slytherin were leading the dominant by exactly 200 points. This meant Aswood constantly reminded his team that they needed to win the match by more than that amount to win the cup. It also meant that the burden of winning fell largely on Harry because capturing the snitch was worth 150 points. So you must only catch it if we are more than 50 points up, would told Harry constantly. Only if we weren't more than 50 points up, Harry or we win the match but lose the cup. We've got that, haven't you? You must only catch the snitch if we are... I know, Oliver, Harry yelled. The whole of Gryffindor House was obsessed with the coming match. Gryffindor hadn't won the Quidditch Cup since the legendary Charlie Weasley, Ron's second oldest brother, had been seeker, but Harry doubted whether any of them even would have wanted to win as much as he did. The enmity between Harry and Malfoy was at its highest point ever. Malfoy was still smarting about the mud-throwing incident in Hogsmeade, and even more furious that Harry had somehow warmed his way out of punishment. Harry had not forgotten Malfoy's attempt to sabotage him in the match against Ravenclaw, but it was the matter of Bugbeak that made him most determined to beat Malfoy in front of the entire school. Never in anyone's memory had a match approached in such a highly charged atmosphere by the time the holidays were over. Tension between the two teams and their houses was at breaking point. A number of small scaffolds broke out out in the corridors, culminating in a nasty incident in which a Gryffindor fourth year and a Slytherin sixth year ended up in the hospital wing with leaks sprouting out of their ears. Harry was having a particularly bad time of it. He could not walk to class without Slytherin sticking out their legs and trying to trip him up. Crab and Goyle kept popping up wherever he went and slouching away, looking disappointed when they saw him surrounded by people who had given instructions that Harry would be accompanied everywhere in case the Slytherins tried to put him out of action. The whole of Gryffindor House took up the challenge enthusiastically so that it was impossible for Harry to get to the classes on time because he was surrounded by a vast chattering cloud. Crowd. Harry was more concerned for his fireball's safety than his own. When he wasn't flying it, he locked it securely in his trunk and frequently dashed back up to Gryffindor Tower at break times to check that it was still there. 
All usual pursuits were abandoned in Gryffindor common room and the night before the match even Hermione had put down her books. I can't work. I can't concentrate, she said nervously. There was a great deal of noise. Fred and George Weasley were dealing with the pressure by being louder and more exuberant than ever. Oliver Wood was crouched over a model of a Quidditch pitch in the corner, prodding little figures across it with his wand and muttering to himself, Angelina, Alicia and Katie were laughing at Fred and George's jokes. Harry was sitting with Ron and Hermione removed from the center of things, trying not to think about the next day. Because every time he did, he had the horrible sensation that something very large was fighting to get out of his stomach. You're going to be fine, Hermione told him, though she looked positively terrified. You've got a firebolt, said Ron. Yeah, said Harry, his stomach writhing. It came as a relief when Wood suddenly stood up and yelled, Team, bed! Harry slept badly. First, he dreamed that he had overslept and that Wood was yelling, Where were you? We had to use Neville instead. Then he dreamed that Malfoy was and the rest of the Slytherin team arrived for the march riding dragons. He was flying a breakneck speed, trying to avoid a spurt of flames from Malfoy's sneered mouth when he realized he had forgotten his firebolt. He fell through the air and woke with a start. It was a few seconds before Harry remembered that the match hadn't taken place yet, that he was safe in bed and that the Slytherin team definitely wouldn't be allowed to play on dragons. He was feeling very thirsty as quietly as he could. He got out of his fur posture and went to pour himself some water from the silver jug beneath the window. Some grounds were still and quiet. No breath of wind disturbed the tree tops. In the forbidden forest, the whomping willow was motionless and innocent-looking. It looked as though conditions for the match would be perfect. Harry set down the goblet and was about to turn back to his bed with when something caught his eye, an animal of some kind was prowling across the silvery lawn. Harry dashed to his bedside table, snatched up his glasses and put them on, then hurried back to the window. It couldn't be the grim, not now, not right before the match. He peered out the gra- at the grounds again and, after a minute's frantic searching, spotted it. It was Skirting the edge of the forest now, it wasn't the grim at all, it was a cat. Harry clutched the window lid in relief as he recognized the bottle brush tail. It was only Crookshanks, or was it only Crookshanks? Harry squinted, pressing his nose flat against the glass. Crookshanks seemed to have come to a halt. Harry was sure he could see something else moving in the shadow of the trees too, and next moment he had emerged a gigantic shaggy black dog moving stealthily across the lawn, Crookshanks trotting at its side. Harry stared. What did this mean? If Crookshanks could see the dog as well, how could it be an omen of Harry's death. Ron, Harry hissed. Ron, wake up. Huh, I need you to tell me if you can see something. All dark, Harry. Ron muttered thickly. What are you on about? Down here, Harry looked quickly back 
out of his window. Crookshanks and the dog had vanished. Harry climbed onto the windowsill to look right down into the shadows of the castle, but they weren't there. Where had they gone? A loud snow told him Ron had fallen asleep again. Harry and the rest of the Gryffindor team entered the great hall next day to enormous applause. Harry couldn't help grinning broadly as he saw the both the Ravenclaw and Hufflepuff tables were clapping them too. The Slytherin table hissed loudly as they passed. Harry noticed that Malfoy looked even paler than usual. Wood spent the whole of breakfast urging his team to eat while touching nothing himself. Then he hurried them off to the pitch before anyone else had vanished, had finished, so they could get an idea of the con- conditions. As they left the great hall, everyone applauded again. Good luck, Harry called Joe Chang. Harry felt himself blushing. Okay, no wind to speak off sun's a bit bright that could impair your vision watch out for it grounds very hard good that'll give us a fast kick off would pace the pitch staring around with the team behind him finally they saw the front doors of the castle open in the distance and the rest of the school spill onto the lawn changing rooms said wood terrorously but none of them spoke as they changed into their scarlet robes. Harry wondered if they were feeling like he was, as though he'd eaten something extremely wriggly for breakfast. In what seemed like no time at all, Wood was saying, Okay, it's time, let's go. They walked out onto the pitch to a tidal wave of a noise. Three quarters of the crowd were wearing scarlet roses waving scarlet flags with the Gryffindor lion upon them or brandishing banners with slogans such as Go Gryffindor and the Lions for the Cap. Behind the Slytherin goalposts, however, 200 people were wearing green. The silver serpent of Slytherin glittered on their fangs and Professor Snape sat in the very front row wearing green like everyone else and a very grim smile. And here are the Gryffindors, yelled Lee Jordan, who was acting as commentator. As usual, Potter, Bell, Johnson, Spinett, Weasley, Weasley, and Wood, widely acknowledged as the best side Hogwarts had seen in a good few years. Lee's comments were drowned by a tide of boos from the Slytherin end. And here comes Slytherin team, led by Captain Flint. He's made some changes in the lineup and seems to be going for size rather than skill. Melboos from Slytherin crowd. Harry, however, thought Lee had a point. Malfoy was easily the smallest person on the Slytherin team. The rest of them were enormous. Captains, shake hands, said Madame Hooch. Flint and Wood approached each other and grasped each other's hand very tightly, looked as though each was trying to break the other's fingers. Mount your brooms, said Madame Hooch. Three, two, one. The sound of her whistle the sound of her whistle was launched in a row from the crowd as thirteen brooms rose into the air. Harry felt his hair fly back off his forehead. His nerves left him in the thrill of the flight. 
He glanced around and saw Malfoy on his tail and sped off in search of the snitch. And it's Gryffindor in position. Alicia Spanet of Gryffindor with a quaffle heading straight for the Slytherin goalpost. Looking good. Alicia Agnew, quaffle intercepted by Warrington. Warrington of Slytherin cheering out the pitch. Warm, nice bladder work there by George Weasley. Warrington drops the quaffle. It's caught by Johnson. Gryffindor back in position. Come on. Angelina, nice swerve, round and take. Duck Angelina, that's a bludger. She scores 10 0 to Gryffindor. Angelina punched the air as she sewed around the end of the pitch. The sea of scarlet below was screaming its delight. Ouch! Angelina was nearly thrown from her broom as Marcus Flint went smashing into her. Sorry, said Flint, as the crowd below booed. Sorry, didn't see her. Next moment, Fred Weasley had chucked his beater's club at the back of Flint's head. Flint's nose smashed into the handle of his broom and began to bleed. That will do, shrieked Madame Hoots, zooming between them. Penalty to Gryffindor for an unprovoked attack on the chaser. Penalty to Slytherin for deliberate damage to their chaser. Come off it, Miss Howard fled, but Madame Hooch blew her whistle and Alicia flew forward to take the penalty. Come on, Alicia, yelled Lee in to the silence that had descended on the crowd. Yes, she's beaten the keeper. 20-0 to Gryffindor. Harry turned the fireball sharply to watch Flint, still bleeding freely. Five to four was to take the Slytherin penalty. Wood was howling in front of the Gryffindor goalpost. His jaw clenched. Of course, Wood, a superb keeper, Lee Jordan told the crowd as Flint waited for Madame Hood's whistle. Super, very difficult to pass, very difficult indeed. Yes, I don't believe it. Yes, he saved it. Relieved, Harry zoomed away, gazing around for the snitch, but still making sure he caught every word of Lee's commentary. It was essential that he hold Malfoy off the snitch until Gryffindor was more than 50 points up. Gryffindor in position. No, Slytherin in position. No, Gryffindor back in position. And it's Katie Bell. Katie Bell for Gryffindor with the coffle. She's streaking up the pitch. That's was deliberate when take a slytherin chaser had swerved in front of katie and instead of seizing the quaffle had grabbed her head katie kate wheeled in the air managed to stay on her broom but dropped the quaffle madame hood's whistle rang out again as she sewed over to Montague and began shouting at him. A minute later, Katie had put another penalty past Slytherin keeper. 30-0, take that, you dirty cheating. Jordan, if you can't commentate in an unbiased way, I'm telling it like it is, Professor. Harry felt a huge jolt of excitement. He had seen the snitch, it was shimmering at the foot of one of the Gryffindor goalposts, but he must not catch it yet, and Ed Malfoy saw it. Faking a look of sudden consideration, Harry pulled his fireball round and sped off towards the Slytherin end. It worked. Malfoy went herring after him, clearing thinking. Harry had seen the snitch there. Whoosh! 
one of the bludgers came streaking past Harry's right ear, hit by the gigantic Slytherin beater, Derek. Next moment, whoosh! The second bludger was grazed Harry's elbow. The other beater, Bowl, was closing in. Harry had a fleeting glimpse of Bowl and Derek zooming towards him. Clubs raised. The he turned the firebolt upwards at the last second, and Bowl and Derek collided uh, with the sickening crunch. Ha ha! yelled Lee Jordan as the Slytherin beaters lurched away from each other, clutching their heads too. Bad boys, you'll need to get up earlier than that to beat a firebolt and its Gryffindor in position again as Jordan's John son takes the quaffle flint alongside her, poking him in the eye. And Delina, if it's a joke, Professor, if it's a joke, oh no, flint in position, flint flying towards the Gryffindor goalpost. Come on now, word save. But flint had scored there, was an eruption of cheers from the Slytherin end, and Lee swore so badly that Professor McGonagall tried to tug the magical megaphone away from him. Sorry, Professor, sorry. Won't happen again. So Gryffindor in the lead, 30 points to 10, and Gryffindor in position. It was turning into the dirtiest match Harry had ever played in. Enraged that Gryffindor had taken such an early lead, the Slytherins were rapidly resorting to any means to take the quaffle. Bowl hit Alicia with his club and tried to say he thought she was a bludger. George Weasley elbowed Bill in the face in retaliation. Madam Hooch awarded both teams penalties and Wood pulled off another spectacular save, making the score 40 10 to Gryffindor. The snitch had disappeared again. Malfoy was still keeping close to Harry as he soared over the match, looking around for it. Once Gryffindor were 50 points ahead, Katie scored 50-10. Fred and George Beasley were sweeping around her. Clubs raised in case any of the Slytherins were thinking of revenge. Bowl and Derek took advantage of Fred and George's absence to aim both bludgers at Wood. They caught him in the stomach, one after the other, and he rolled over in the air, clutching his broom completely winded. Madame Huge was beside herself. You do not attack the keeper unless the quaffle is within the Scoring area, she shrieked at Bowl and Derek. Gryffindor penalty and Angelina scored 60-10. Moments later, Fred Weasley felted a bludger at Warrington, knocking the quaffle out of his hand. Alicia seized it and put it through the Slytherin goal. 70-10. The Gryffindor crowd below was screaming themselves hoarse. Gryffindor was 60 points in the lead and if Harry got the snitch now, the cup was theirs. Harry could almost feel hundreds of eyes following him as he soared around the pitch, high above the rest of the game, with Malfoy speeding along behind him, and then he saw it. The snitch was sparkling twenty feet above him. Harry put on a huge burst of speed, the wind soaring in his ears. He stretched out his hand, but suddenly the firebolt was slowing down. Horrified, he looked around. Malfoy had thrown himself forward, grabbed hold of the firebolt's tail, and was pulling it back. You! Harry was angry enough to hit Malfoy, but he 
and could not reach it. Malfoy was panting with effort of holding on to the firebolt, but his eyes were sparkling maliciously. He had achieved what he'd wanted. The snitch had disappeared again. Penalty, penalty to Gryffindor. I have never seen such a dark Madame Hood screeched, shooting up to where Malfoy was sliding back onto his Nimbus 2001. You cheating scum! Lee Jordan was howling into the megaphone, dancing out of Professor McGonagall's reach. You filthy cheating! B-. Professor McGonagall didn't even bother to tell him off. She was actually shaking her fist in Malfoy's direction. Her hat had fallen off and she too was shouting furiously. Alicia took Gryffindor's penalty but she was so angry she missed by several feet. The Gryffindor team was losing concentration and the Slytherins delighted by Malfoy's fall on Harry were being spurred on the greater heights. Slytherin in position. Slytherin heading for goal. When takes goes Lee groaned, seventy twenty to Gryffindor. Harry was now marking Malfoy so closely their knees kept hitting each other. Harry wasn't going to let Malfoy anywhere near the snitch. Get out of it, Potter! Malfoy yelled in frustration as he tried to turn around turn and found Harry blocking him. Angelina Johnson gets a call for Gryffindor. Come on, Elinginia. Come on. Harry looked round. Every single Slytherin pair apart from Malfoy, even the Slytherin keeper was streaking up the pitch towards Angelina and they were all going to block her. Harry wheeled the fireball about, bent so low she, he was lying flat along the handle and kicked it forwards like a bullet. He shot towards the Slytherins. Ugh! The scattered as the fireballs zoomed towards them. Angelina was wave is clear. She scores. She scores. Gryffindor lead by 80 points to 20. Harry, who had almost belted headlong into the stands, skidded to a halt in midair, reversed and zoomed back into the middle of the pitch. And then he saw something making his heart stand still. Malfoy was diving off triumph on his face. There, a few feet above the grass below the tiny gold didn't glimmer. Harry urged the fireball downwards, but Malfoy was miles ahead. Go, go, go! Harry urged his broom. They were gaining on Malfoy. Harry flattened himself onto the broom, handled as bold sent a bludger at him. He was at Malfoy's ankles. He was level. Harry threw himself forwards, taking both hands off his broom. He knocked Malfoy's arm out of the way and, yes, he pulled out of his dive, his hand in the air, and the stadium exploded. Harry soared above the crowd, an odd ringing in his ears. The tiny golden ball was held tight in his fist, beating its wings hopelessly against his fingers. Then Wood was speeding towards him, half-blinded by tears. He seized Harry around the neck and sobbed unrestrainingly into his shoulder. Harry felt two large thumps as Fred and George hit him, then Angelina, Alicia and Katie voices. We've won the cup! We've won the cup! Tangled together in a many-armed hug, the Gryffindor team sang, yelling hoarsely back to earth. 
wave upon wave of crimson supporters was pouring over the barriers onto the pitch hands were raining down on their backs harry had a confused impression of noise and bodies pressing in on him then he and the rest of the team were hoisted on the shoulders of the crowd thrust into the light he saw hagrid plastered uh, with crimson roses yeah beat him harry you beat him Wait till I tell Bagbeak there was Percy jumping up and down like a maniac, all dignity forgotten, Professor McGonagall sobbing harder even than Wood, whipping her eyes with an enormous Gryffindor flag, and there fighting their way towards Harry, Veron, and Hermione, Wood failed them. They simply beamed as Hermione. Harry was borne towards the stands when Dumbledore stood waiting with an enormous Quidditch cup. It was if only there had been a Dementor around as a sobbing wood passed Harry the cup. As he lifted it into the air, Harry felt that he could have produced the world's best Patronus. Okay, everyone, this chapter is finished and we're going to start our next chapter, which is Professor Trelawney's Prediction, Chapter 16, in our next podcast. Till then, thank you for listening.